Good morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Lots of stuff going on in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. As a reminder, always, if you'd like, you can leave a comment through any forum that you're listening, whether it's through Facebook Live, it's through Periscope, it's through YouTube. And even if you're listening on demand on iTunes or Google Play, please let your voice be heard. You can always email me at jrple at gmail.com. There's a contact form on my website, johnple.com, that you can check out as well. Also, the number, if you're interested in calling in, is 732-364-3598. We'll get you right up. Like I said, anything that's on your mind in a world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. So we're going to hit a couple of baseball topics today. I wanted to talk a little bit about free agency. I think right now there's, you know, there was a ton of pressure on Manny Machado and Bryce Harper and all those around him and all the fans associated with the game to see those players find new homes. And obviously they've done that now, and now the focus is on a Craig Kimbrell or a Dallas Keuchel and a Gio Gonzalez, probably the most prominent players that are still available. In a little bit, we'll talk about probably about 10 solid players that are still out there in the free agent market, not named Kimbrell or Keuchel or Gio Gonzalez. We're going to do our predictions. We shared it up on Twitter. The I guess this is, what, the seventh annual PBS prediction segment that we're going to do here on the show. Um, started out, I think it was 2012, and we've had some ups and downs. We were able to see some good things, some um, unexpected, perhaps, predictions when it comes to division winners and teams that have made the playoffs over the last seven years. We're going to try to do it again. And once again, this ain't a, a foolproof strategy. But the bottom line is one of the things we always get into as sports fans is we look at what happened last year and we expect it to repeat itself. We expect to see the same thing happen that happened last year. The team that won a division or the team that made it to the World Series should be expected to do it again just because. And we don't factor in other reasons why teams digress, other teams get better. And in some cases, things happen that we don't expect to. And the PBS prediction always does that. It kind of goes out on a limb a little bit. So some of my predictions are not going to resonate so much with some of the fans and some people that, you know, consider themselves baseball analysts and, you know, may look at it a little bit differently. But I'm going to show you some different things that I expect to happen this year. Like I said, we wrote it up. It's up on JohnPLA.com. It's also on Twitter. So take a look at it. Analyze it. Throw your own opinion out there. And let me know what you think. We're going to talk a little bit about LeBron James because I think, you know, a polarizing figure, somebody that has the popularity and the notoriety of a LeBron James is always going to be criticized. And you can just look at some basic things that go on in this guy's life and what he's done. And everything that he has done right really outweighs everything that you could say that could have gone wrong. There's an NFL quarterback that if things work out as suspected, this should be a guy on a lot of teams' radar. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And finally, boys playing girl sports in high school and girls playing boy sports in high school. That'll be something that we'll close the show up with today. So a lot of stuff we're going to get into. Like I said, real excited to be with you as always. 
as a as always, anything that's on your mind in the world, baseball, sports, unified America, please just contribute to the program. So we're going to start out free agency in baseball. Like I said, the question is, where is Craig Kimbrell going to go? Where is Dallas Keuchel going to go? Where perhaps is Gio Gonzalez going to go? John Heyman reporting that the Yankees would be interested in Gio Gonzalez on a one-year deal. And I think a lot of teams fit that build right now. When it comes to those type of players that are still out there, they're kind of in their own, you know, expectation in regards to what it, what is expected. And, yeah, you know, we do have a, a little bit of a pause today because I, I got to, uh, we're going to redo the show from Periscope. So I do apologize for that. We'll be with you in a couple minutes. Once again, this is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Um, you know, we're talking about Kimbrell and Gonzalez and Keiko, and I think a lot of people are going to have answers to what they expect. And you know, we're just gonna we're just gonna throw away the Periscope show to that. So apologize for that. You know, we'll get back with you, as, you know, sometime later in the week. But you know, there are a series of quality free agents that are out there that are on a level that a lot of teams could look at right now and say. Absolutely. Let me pick up one of these players, especially as we're sitting here in a month of March. Spring training is is getting started. And I look at it and I came up with 10 players that are still free agents right now that probably aren't getting the respect or credit that they deserve, but really should be on a legitimate team's roster. Now, I think of guys like Jose Bautista and Jose Reyes, and I I can understand why a team would be interested in him, why a team would pick up a player like that and say, hey, let him, let him compete for a spot on our roster. And you know what? If he helps us out, good. If not, it's not going to hurt us. But there are players that, as we sit on the sixth day of March 2019, that are legitimately still out there. And I look at Adam Jones, a guy who probably is not a – Bonafide center fielder at this stage of his career. But think about it. There's got to be at least 10 to a dozen teams that can look at him and say, hey, if he was in a mix with our outfielders, would we be a little bit better right now? I look at the Dodgers. They got a handful of left-hand hitting options. You know, with Jock Peterson and Cody Bellinger. They traded Yasiel Puig and they traded Matt Kemp. He'd be a very good fit there. I think of a team like the Mets who signed Carlos Gomez last week with a thought that maybe he could provide a right-handed, a little bit of right-handed popper presence in their order. When obviously you know about Nimmo, you know about Conforto, that you know, they got a couple left-hand hitters out there in their outfield. But there's a lot of teams that certainly could benefit from Adam Jones. Next, we talk about Martin Maldonado. And he's an interesting you know, pro- prospect in regards to talking about. And obviously, I don't mean prospect like a young player. Like we talk about, oh my God, this guy's going to be a prospect. He's going to be a great future. But we could talk about the beginning of, of the offseason when you're talking about some legit landing places for Martin Maldonado. Whether it, was, whether it was back with Houston, whether it was the Mets, whether it was with the Milwaukee Brewers, there were some very prominent teams that were looking at Martin Maldonado as a starting catcher for them. Now, I didn't agree with it at the time. I looked at, let's say, the Dodgers or let's say the Brewers or the Mets or the Astros and said that all of those teams would probably behoove themselves to get more of an offensively proven option behind the plate. They got to catch a little bit, sure. Defense, you want to make it a priority up to a point. 
sure. But Martin Maldonado was kind of a little bit overrated when the offseason started. And then obviously Wilson Ramos signs. JT Realmuto gets traded. Russell Martin goes from the Blue Jays to the Dodgers. Grandal signs with the Brewers. The Astros bring in Carinos. And all of a sudden, Martin Maldonado's market kind of went down to nothing. Now, as spring training's about to start, you would expect you know, an interest in catchers. Obviously, catchers that won't be touching even the minor leagues are getting a chance to show up in spring training because of the overabundance of pitchers that exist and not enough catchers to be able to catch them. So Martin Maldonado not being signed to this point has gotten to a point where it is surprising. And I think there's a number of teams out there that, you know, maybe are not will not be looking for this guy to be a legitimate starter for them, but as a platoon partner or a backup or somebody that is better defensive-oriented, would, would certainly be a fit for a number of teams. The next player I want to talk about is a guy who was very relied upon in the postseason last year and, in fact, has had just one season in the last nine that he has pitched in the major leagues where he hasn't been part of a postseason, and that was in 2016 with the Oakland Athletics. And that, of course, is Ryan Madsen. We talk about the relief market and relievers coming off the board, the potential for Craig Kimbrell to be signed, but maybe he's holding out for a little bit more money than a team would be willing to pay him at this point. You know, maybe that market is dry, but obviously teams are always looking to add that extra reliever. The teams are always looking to uh, bolster their bullpen a little bit. So a guy like Ryan Madsen not being signed to this point is a surprise. I, he didn't have the greatest of years last year. In fact, the last two years he's been a little bit up and down, but pitched very well in the postseason for the Dodgers last year, a team that went to the World Series. And manager Dave Roberts had a lot of trust and faith in Madsen to use him in very high leverage situations. So a number of teams that are on the bubble, and we'll talk about teams that are going to make the playoffs or not going to talk, make the playoffs in Major League Baseball this year, according to the PBS and JohnBLA.com. Ryan Matson would be a great fit for anybody at this point. Certainly surprised that he's not signed. Next player is Denard Spann. Denard Spann has spent about a decade or so in the major leagues, a very good defensive outfielder, but a, a pretty bona fide hitter. Doesn't hit for a ton of power, but hits for average, gets on base, is a little bit of a pest, can hit up towards the top of the batting order or towards the bottom of the batting order. And once again, we're talking about depth here. A lot of teams in Major League Baseball would certainly benefit for a guy like Denard Spann on their team. So very surprised Denard Spann's still out there. Next one, not much of a surprise, but at the same time, it's kind of a little bit of a surprise. And that's Evan Gaddis. We talk about players that have limited their positions to just DH. And, and, I, and I look at it, and I don't expect teams to be going crazy, saying, hey, I want this guy up here to get 500 at-bats as my DH. But you look at some of the teams in the American League and their options right now and what they're rolling with as their everyday regular season designated hitter, would Evan Gaddis be an upgrade to that? Absolutely. So the fact that he is not signed and is not playing with anybody right now is a little bit of a surprise. I'll talk about somebody that's just outside of my top ten, but a similar type of player happens to bat from the other side. It does give a little more flexibility because he can play first base. And that is Logan Morrison, another similar type of player. And there, yes, there's been a lot of these holes that have been filled. But you look at several teams that are legitimately considering themselves playoff contenders this year in the American League would benefit from a player like a Gaddis 
or in Logan Morrison. So surprised that neither of those players are signed right now. You know, we can talk about Carlos Gonzalez, and I know over the last couple of years he has digressed a little bit. May not be that star power hitter, that legitimate face of the franchise Colorado Rockies outfielder that he was, you know, maybe about three, four years ago. But I'm surprised he's not getting a crack somewhere. I'm surprised he's not uh, coming to camp maybe on a one-year deal, competing for a fourth outfield spot, and maybe some, some platoon time. There aren't a ton of legitimate left-handed power bats out there. So you get this guy in a platoon type of situation, maybe he's not ready for it. Well, listen, his numbers over the last couple of years will probably show you that he's ready for it. This is another guy who should be playing for a Major League Baseball team right now. Now I'll talk about Tony Sipp, left-hand pitcher for the Houston Astros. Great year last year, and I understand relievers can be fickle, but I just spoke about earlier in regards to Ryan Madsen when it comes to you know, the interest in bullpen arms and bullpen depth that exists throughout Major League Baseball. If you're a meddling team thinking that maybe you got a shot at the playoffs this year or you expect to get to the playoffs, you can't have enough bullpen depth. You can't have enough solid arms and solid options to go to from both the right and the left side. So Tony Sipp, coming off of a very good year with the Houston Astros, is certainly a shock at this point that he's not signed. And I, I, would, I think it would behoove a lot of teams, probably about 15 or more, that should be interested, that should have jumped in, and should be looking at this guy as a legitimate left-hand pitching option in a bullpen for them. Edwin Jackson, a year he had last year with Oakland, came up out of nowhere. I, I'm surprised that nobody's looking at him on another minor league deal. Have him pitch for a spot as your fifth starter. Austin Jackson, outfielder, coming off a bad season with the Mets, but I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a minor league deal at this point. And we'll conclude this segment at this point by talking about big game James Shields, a pitcher who I will always be I will always remember as the pitcher that gave up a home run to none other than Bartolo Colon. James Shields made 33 starts, pitched over 200 innings last year. There's a number of teams in baseball that are looking for somebody to just get the ball into the sixth inning. Shields has a track record of pitching a lot of innings. He can withstand a bad outing or two and come out there and give you a legitimate effort the next day. Start in and start out. He helps you in the clubhouse. Why is James Shields not playing for a Major League Baseball team right now? This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights, granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for the entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of the show without the express written consent of the past ball show, JohnPielli.com and JohnPielli LLC, is prohibited. Any commercial or other use of the program, such by charge and admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So the 2019 30-1 MLB Countdown Predictions will be up on JohnPielli.com a little bit later today. I'm going to go over a couple of them, but the same point that I always try to make every year when I do these predictions is the fact that I always want to stay away from the norm and what everybody else does. And one of the biggest flaws that comes year in and year out when you're making predictions not just when it comes to baseball, but in football and basketball and hockey, is we rely too much on what happened last year. We look at the results of last year, the teams that won their respective divisions, the teams that made deep runs into the postseason, the teams that won the championship in whatever respective sport we're talking about, and we expect that they're going to do that again. 
If we go back into the DeLorean and you jump back a year ago to two years ago to three years ago to five years ago to ten years ago, we'll realize one of the common things and the common occurrences is the fact that the teams, for the most part, unless we're talking about the NBA and the Golden State Warriors and for the last four years, the Cleveland Cavaliers, which we know is going to be different this year, Cavaliers right about to get eliminated for postseason contention, which we know there's really no chance of them making it anyway. The Warriors going out there trying to win their fourth NBA championship in five years. That notwithstanding, we understand that sports are very you know, unpredictable. Things happen over the course of the season that we can't predict. So any predictions that you do, you can't say, hey, I expect this team is going to lose this player. These guys are going to get hurt. That's something that you can't factor in. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't happen. But what you can predict is a team declining, maybe playing uninspired when it comes to a particular sport, maybe not necessarily doing everything as well as they did the year before. And an up-and-coming team that may be considered another year away, putting something together a little bit sooner than later. And there's a handful of teams that really have piqued my eye this year. And I'm not going too crazy when it comes to my predictions this year, but I'm not going along the example of what the norm is. So if you want your regular, you know, average wins and you want to go to baseball prospectus and Dakota rankings and MLB Network, for everybody to tell you the same crap that everybody else is going to tell you, go over there. If you want some deep analysis that goes between me and you, and you back to me, you can make a very valid point that backs up something you're saying that's different than mine, and you could be right just as well as I can be. So let's get into it. 2019 30-1 to MLB Countdown Previews. Um, the win totals, um, including a one-game playoff or a one-single game of 163 that I predict will happen this year, Puts the total record in baseball at 24-31 and 24-31. A lot of the people that are doing predictions will put up random records. And they're, the total amount of wins are not going to equal the total amount of losses. You know, in PBS history, we make sure we have the same amount of wins and losses. So every one of these win totals and loss totals are legitimate in regards to the possibility that they could happen. Wins variate between 99 and 53. So I got a 99 and 63 team and a 53 and 109 team. Three teams, according to the PBS, will lose 100 games this year. Zero teams will win 100 games. A lot of teams will finish over 500. In fact, the most common record amongst the PBS picks this year is 84 and 78. The wild cards in the National League will win 90 and 85 games, respectively. And in the American League, will win 95 and 89 games, respectively. So my winners, when it comes to the division, AL East, I have the Yankees at 99 wins. In the AL Central, and a little bit of a surprise. I'm going with the upstart, Minnesota Twins. They have had a fantastic offseason. They've really prioritized their offense. And I think they're going to be in a very good position if they can get some decent pitching. 
Uh, Jose Barrios looks like a legitimate ace to that staff. He's going to need a little bit of protection. So I think the Twins, if they're playing good baseball around the trading deadline, I would expect them to be active enough and go out there and get themselves a legitimate another top-of-the-rotation arm. I think this team, from an offensive standpoint, is going to be able to score runs. I like their manager, Rocco Baldelli. I think he relates very well to today's players. I think from a strategic standpoint, an analytic standpoint, the Minnesota Twins are going to be able to move players in and out, probably get the most out of them. You know, a guy like Miguel Sano, who's coming off a couple down years, and I know he's questionable for opening day, he's a player that's going to be able to get an adequate amount of rest. The Twins aren't going to miss a beat without him in a lineup. They're going to be able to withstand some injuries, and like I said, they're going to be able to keep their players rested over the course of the season. And I also think the Cleveland Indians coming into the season are just expecting to win a division again. They're not quite the same team they were last year. That being said, they got a great starting rotation. Their bullpen sucks. I got some very deep concerns when it comes to anything outside of Brad Hand pitching in the latter part of the game for Cleveland. I think this is a team that may take a step back. That being said, we'll talk about the wild card in a couple minutes. AL West, the only one of my six predictions of a team that won a division last year that's going to be a repeat champion that is the Houston Astros, who I got at 97 wins. National League East, I think the Bryce Harper signing with the Phillies puts them over the top in what I believe to be a very competitive division in the National League East. So give me the Phillies with 92 wins winning the NL East. The NL Central, I'm going with the Cardinals on the back of Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt on a contract year trying to, you know, advance his value as much as he possibly can. I think he could have a legitimate MVP season. You mix him in with a Matt Carpenter and an Ozuna and a Paul DeYoung and a Yadier Molina. And the, the pitching staff, which I think is going to improve, Nicholas is going to become a legitimate star. Carlos Martinez, whether he's going to be pitching in a bullpen or a rotation, is going to impact that team in a positive way. Andrew Miller coming over there. And I think this is a team that after the firing last year, Mike Matheny has a lot more motivation. They seem to go out there and try really hard and really want to support their manager, Mike Schilt. Give me the Cardinals, NL Central, 91 wins. Finally. NL West, Colorado Rockies. I got them highest win total in the National League with 96. I think because their pitching has finally come around, Daniel Murphy, I think in his first year in Colorado, he could hit like 370 or 380. I mean, this is a legitimate guy that in his 81 home games is just going to love playing there. I think you look at the Rockies with Arenado locked up, Trevor Story, Ian Desmond playing center field. Listen, this is a team that's going to be very good. The only question I have is their bullpen. Is it going to be strong enough? Are guys like Brian Shaw and Jake McGee going to bounce back after down seasons from last year? Wade Davis pitching in a high altitude. Yes, there is a little bit of concern there, but I think the Rockies have finally turned their corner, and I believe they'll finally after being in Major League Baseball for 26 years, will finally win their first NL West title. Wild cards, American League, pretty easy for me. Boston at 95 wins, the Indians at 89 wins. I'm not going to go too crazy with that. Those are two legitimate playoff teams. Probably out of 100 people that are polled and put together their own predictions, probably about 99 of them are going to have both the Red Sox and the Indians in the postseason. National League. 
I think you're talking about the NL East coming down the last couple games or so. And with that, will be one of the wild card spots. Probably the second wild card spot. Because I think the first one is going to the Milwaukee Brewers. They're going to fall maybe a game or so short of the St. Louis Cardinals. But this is a team that has everything it needs. Maybe another starter down the road somewhere. Offensively, their bullpen, their depth. I think they're well-coached. They're a well-run organization. This is a Milwaukee Brewer team that came within a game of getting to the World Series last year. So the Brewers, to me, are a no-doubt postseason team. So we're going to go to the NL East and talk about the other three teams that are not named the Philadelphia Phillies and are not named the Miami Marlins. I think any one of these three teams could go in as that second wildcard spot. And you know what? You could throw the Cubs in there. You could throw the Dodgers in there. So you could talk about one spot probably going down to five teams. And according to my predictions, I got four teams sitting there at 84 wins. And one of them, with just a little bit more at 85 wins getting into the postseason. And that, my friends, is the New York Mets. And I was going back and forth wondering about this Mets offseason, knowing that it wasn't ridiculously inspiring. It wasn't one of those offseasons where they went out there and got, you know, some unbelievable talent. Robinson Cano is a good player. Edwin Diaz is one of the top closers in baseball. Wilson Ramos, Jed Lowry, I know he's hurt. Bring Familia back. Bring in Justin Wilson. The key that it's going to put the Mets over the top should be their starting pitching, but I'm going to go beyond that and tell you one more reason why I believe in the New York Mets this year. It's not the offense. I think offensively they should be able to score enough. Their bullpen, I think, is going to be improved. And like I said, the starting rotation is going to be one of the best in baseball as long as those guys can stay healthy. Here's the reason why I think the Mets are going to be one game better than at all four of those other teams. Michael Conforto, Ahmed Rosario, and Brandon Nimmo. I expect all three of those players to be able to take their game to another level. You saw it in the month of September last year in 2018 with Michael Conforto. He hit 30 home runs. He hit 10 home runs, drove in 30 runs in a month. Ahmed Rosario looked like he was really starting to come together as a legitimate all-around shortstop. And give me Brandon Nemo, 400-on base guy, a guy that coming into this season for the first time as a professional baseball player knows he's going to make the roster, knows that he's going to get legitimate playing time. I think all these, all three of these players have another level to them, and we're going to see that this year. And if that happens, I think the Mets could be a legitimate playoff team, not just be good enough to win a wild card spot, but potentially to advance in the postseason. So we'll see how this happens. A little bit of a recap of the predictions. Yankees, Twins, Astros went into divisions in the American League. Phillies, Cardinals, Rockies in the National League. AL Wild Cards, uh, Red Sox, Indians, NL Wild Cards, Brewers, Mets. At me, bro. Just a reminder that Castrol provides maximum protection against viscosity and thermal breakdown. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. So, you know, you're thinking about, obviously, some of the things going on in the NFL with, you know, uh, franchise tags and, you know, teams having the opportunity to keep certain players at certain salary levels. Free agency starting in a little bit, but obviously the one thing that's always going to be moving around like a record is the carousel when it comes to quarterbacks in the National Football League. It's clearly the most important position. 
I mean, there is not there are very few teams that are going to make a run in a postseason and in a Super Bowl that aren't gonna have that top quarterback. It happens in a rare occurrence. And I think you can go back to let's say a Peyton Manning with the Denver Broncos and that great defense. Peyton Manning, obviously a legend, but Peyton Manning wasn't the reason that the Broncos won that Super Bowl. So every team is looking for that legitimate top quarterback. And there's going to be analysis, sometimes very strong, sometimes very supportive, sometimes very negative, and also sometimes very overrated when it comes to the quarterbacks coming out in this year's draft class. You obviously have Kyler Murray. You obviously have Dwayne Haskins, who are probably the two top choices for teams that are looking for a young quarterback, looking for that quarterback that's going to take that ball and guide them to the promised land. Now, the most interesting thing that I see that could potentially happen is the Arizona Cardinals taking Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick. We know about how quarterbacks are always rated very high. And we know, with all due respect to Mr. Murray and Mr. Haskins, that the quarterbacks that were coming out last year were given a lot more clout and a lot more respect than the quarterbacks that are coming out this year. The Arizona Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury, the general manager there, they seem to be focused on Kyler Murray. And for whatever reason, maybe looking to turn the page from Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen was, in some people's minds, the best quarterback that was available last year. Obviously, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. There are many varying degrees of opinions when it comes to all four of those quarterbacks. There were many varying degrees of opinions when it came to ranking those quarterbacks at the beginning of the draft last year. The Cardinals, I think, would be very silly to move on from Josh Rosen at this point, especially after one year. I don't know what you could tell from watching a quarterback in the course of one season, which, by the way, he didn't play every game. He started the season as a backup quarterback or a third-string quarterback, earned some time as the season started when Sam Bradford was cut. So you're looking at a guy that didn't get a legitimate chance to play. The Arizona Cardinals finished with the worst record in the NFL. Their coach, Steve Wilkes, there for one season, unceremoniously fired. They got a new coach in Cliff Kingsbury. His philosophy is going to be known as the quarterback whisperer. Does he think he has a better opportunity of getting through to Kyler Murray? Or does he have a better opportunity to get through to Josh Rosen? If the Cardinals make the decision to go with Murray as their number one overall pick, you're looking at about half the league that should be interested in Josh Rosen. Forget about Nick Foles. Forget about Blake Bortles. Forget about Joe Flacco, who I know is with Denver right now. Forget about any of these quarterbacks that you can look at and say, hey, let's go through free agency and bring in one of these veterans. You know, if you're not looking for Josh Rosen, if he is available to be traded for, what are you looking for? This is like a second opportunity to be able to draft this guy. And I would put him up there against a Murray, against the Haskins, against any of the quarterbacks that were drafted last year. I think this guy has arm strength. I think he has a, a good football acumen. I think he's young enough that he's only going to grow into his body and get smarter as he continues to play. So if I was any team in the NFL, whether I'm the Giants, whether I'm the Titans, whether I'm the San Francisco 49ers, who obviously have some concerns about Jimmy Garoppolo coming back from the ACL list, I would certainly inquire about Josh Rosen. And I think Josh Rosen, if he's traded, it'll be for a first-round pick plus. And, hey, you know what? 
the Cardinals will end up getting their guy. So, interesting to see how this works out, but you'd be crazy if you're an NFL team and you could possibly be able to trade for Josh Rosen to not be in it and not prioritize that to anything else that you'd be considering in a quarterback position. Because very few teams in the National Football League have that legitimate quarterback they can trust. And some teams that do probably don't know how long they're going to have them, i.e., Tom Brady and the Patriots, i.e. Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. This is the famous Budweiser beer. We know of no brand produced by any other brewer that costs so much to brew and age. Our exclusive Beachwood Aging produces a taste, a smoothness, and drinkability. You'll find a no beer at any cost. Once again, this is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPiello.com as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey as we're finishing up the program today. I did want to talk a little bit about LeBron James and also finish about talking about an interesting topic that was brought up to me over the weekend that I think applies pretty well to the world of sports and kids sports. LeBron James probably gets a lot of heat, probably is one of the more polarizing athletes that exist in this game in Major League Baseball, and in, uh, I'm sorry, National Basketball Association, but in all of sports. And that's why, you know, the little Freudian slip there. I'm thinking about sports in general when I think of LeBron James and his transcending of the world of sports, let alone just basketball. And that's going to draw some polarizing opinions. There's going to be people that are going to love LeBron James. There's going to be fans of LeBron James that are going to follow him wherever he goes. But there also are going to be haters out there. There are also going to be people that want to see this guy fail regardless of what it is that he's doing, regardless of what it is that he says, regardless of whatever type of decision that he decides to make in regards to the future of his life after basketball. But this is a man who, uh, who grew up as a boy without a father, was ridiculously talented, had a lot of fame come to him at a young age, and has never been arrested has never had any sort of legal problems. Married his high school sweetheart, has three kids, has been faithful to his wife, and has been married to his wife you know, for, you know, for the duration, has never had any extramarital affairs, has never allowed the amount of money that he's gotten to get to his head. So those that are very critical of LeBron James, I'm sensing there's a lot of jealousy. Because LeBron James as the athlete, LeBron James as the NBA star, is also LeBron James the successful man, the successful father, the successful husband. And there's a lot of people that look at somebody in the fame, in the spotlight, and can say, but they have legal problems, but there's extramarital affairs, but there's greed and gluttony and things that are involved when a lot of money is thrown one's way. This is a person that, yes, has made some decisions about things that he's wanted to do with his money, but he has not gotten himself into trouble with it. He has not been swayed by any of the evils or many of the evils that exist in this world. So people can be as critical as of LeBron James as they want to be, but this is a man who has lived almost the perfect life. And nobody is perfect. At some point, you know, he may make a mistake here and there, but this is a man that has grown up. He's married his high school sweetheart. He has had three kids that he's raising in LA right now. 
and he's also one of the best basketball players to ever live. So last topic of the show I wanted to bring up today, I heard something pretty interesting. And obviously when you think of high school sports, you think of girls and boys and their separate teams that they have. You know, there's girls track, there's boys track. Some sports exist that are just for boys and just for girls. Wrestling is considered a boy sport, but girls have always been welcome. You know, girls that can compete at that level are competing against other boys, and if they prove themselves, will be in legitimate lineups when it comes to high school teams, will compete in certain tournaments. Every now and then you see a female football player, not just a kicker, but you know, certainly defensive players, offensive players. Football, you're not really going to expect, at least in the near future, for there to be a girls football team. That being said, girls, if they can compete, are welcome. And they're allowed to play on these certain teams. But the interesting thing that I wanted to bring up is what happens when it goes the other way? What happens when you have, let's say, a swimming team that is just for girls? Or a gymnastics team that's just for girls? And you have a boy that is interested in playing. Maybe a boy that has an interest in gymnastics or in swimming. Is it as fair for that boy to compete on the girls team as it is for the girl to compete on the boys team? We always say, all right, the girl can compete with the boys as long as the girl can you know, compete at the level of the boys. And we have this assumption that exists out there that we feel that from an athletic standpoint, and I don't know if it's been substantiated, I don't know if it's true, but it is something that is out there and has been said over and over again that boys from a natural standpoint can compete at a higher level than a girl. Now, I don't believe it. I believe that it depends on the boy, it depends on the girl. But we use that prejudice when it comes to saying, all right, well, girls can play boys sports if they're good enough. Let them compete at the level of the boys. And if they can beat a boy or if they can compete at the level of the boy, they should be allowed to play. So how does this apply when we're talking about the other side of it? A boy playing a girl sport at the high school level. Well, I would think, based off of the comments that I just made, you would want to make sure that we're being fair to all the girls and allowing them to field a team of girls. And I'll tell you this, the one thing that frustrated the hell out of me, and I thought about it, how it would impact girls at my own high school, is the amount of boys that are going out there and being cheerleaders. You know, you think about when you, if you have a cheerleading squad that's about 20 deep, and there's 10 boys and 10 girls, you're looking at at least, you know, six to eight girls that are outlawed off the squad because you're keeping boys there. So I think there should be a limit when it comes to boys playing girl sports. Now, if there is no competitive sport that is similar, in a, you know, if we're talking about swimming, if we're talking about gymnastics, if we're talking about cheerleading, then I think boys should be able to compete in girl sports. But you should limit the amount of boys that are playing there. So, you know, at me with whatever comments you have in that regard. Little of little recap of the show today. We talked about the top 10 free agents that aren't named Craig Kimbrell, Gio Gonzalez, and Dallas Keuchel. 
We did our predictions, which will be up on JohnPLA.com, 2009-30-1 MLB Countdown Previews. I'll have them listed in reverse order from the worst record to the best record, according to the PBS and JohnPLA.com. Talked a little bit about the NFL and if Josh Rosen is going to be traded or the Arizona Cardinals are considering drafting Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick and would be interested in moving Josh Rosen, why, as an NFL team, would you not be in the mix for this quarterback? Why would you worry about a Nick Foles or a Teddy Bridgewater or a Blake Bortles? This would be the guy that I would want to run my franchise, and it would be an absolute shocking surprise if this player was still available. LeBron James takes a ton of heat, but I think a lot of the heat that he takes are from people that are very jealous of him. Not only is this man a successful ball player and athlete and star, he is successful in his personal life too. And he, he is not swayed towards any of the controversy and the things that get that popular and wealthy players and people get themselves involved in. There's no gluttony. There's no greed. There's no extramarital affairs. There's no lawsuits. This is a man that is living a legitimate life the life that you would expect to live if you had two parents in your life. And he grew up without a father. So anybody that's down on LeBron James, I bet you there's a little bit of jealousy in your mind watching somebody be not only so successful, but to be able to do the small things that most people should be able to do. Finally, girls playing boy sports, boys playing girl sports. A little, a little bit of back and forth on that. Certainly, girls should have the opportunity to play boys' sports, especially when there's no girls' sport that's uh, similar to it. Obviously, they have to compete at a high level. They have to be able to be as good or better than a particular boy that can make that squad. But conversely, if we're talking about a boy playing a girls' sport, I believe that high schools should limit the amount of male participants on a female team to maybe one or two, giving all the girls the opportunity to compete. Because I do think competition in the world of sports, especially at the middle school and high school level, are very paramount to the development of a young man or a young woman. They're, they're being taken away or not having the opportunity to compete at this certain level, even if it's a minor level, even if we're not talking about people that are players that are going to go into high school and college and compete at the highest level and maybe become professionals. I think we're talking about a situation where we could impact lives in a positive way. And that's what we always look to try to do. So, you know, boys clogging up girls' teams, like, you know, the Jackson High School cheerleading squad with a bunch of dudes, is keeping legitimate competing girls from a chance to do something in high school. And maybe it is leading them, in some cases, to rougher lives and rougher occurrences in our life. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.